Hello, in the beginning there was a big bang which led me to the creation of brief history of time. Now from beyond the grave. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-
it's more it's less about seeing family and it's more about spending time with my specific yeah. bubble family mm -hmm. which is my wife and my two daughters as opposed to my mother-in-law my sister-in-law yeah. my mum my dad my brother etc etc mm -hmm. i would love to see these people and i wish them a very very merry christmas but to be honest I'm also very happy to be spending it just with my girls yeah. in my little bubble and watching Christmas movies and overindulging on food, cheese and alcohol. Sounds fantastic. And I have to admit, I mean, I'm not going to go on about this, but I think sometimes there can be a lot of pressure put on one day. I think a lot of people enjoy the festivities more to do with, you know, the festivities is more to do with the run up to Christmas. And it is good, but obviously you can't go on Christmas nights out with your work colleagues or, you know, friends that you haven't seen in forever. You can't, you know, you can go Christmas shopping, but there's a lot of limitations. So the run-up has kind of been sucked out of this due to the, obviously, the pandemic. And, yeah, we've been given limitations to go out and see other, you know, bubbles, as it were. But I think a good portion of people are just going to, just it's, it's for one year. hopefully hopefully it's for just one year and it's just kind of like i'm going to stay at home and i'm going to take so much pressure out of this i'm not going to drive anywhere i'm going to get up open presents and then eat food and watch christmas films i i, I think you use the, the the best word though i think the, it's pressure mm. the, there's a lot of unnecessary pressure that people pile on themselves and it's because they want to be the perfect host yeah. and they want to give other people joy. And do you know what? That's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, maybe it's good to have a break from the performance. Yeah, no, that's a very good way of putting it. I think so. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And maybe this is a year where people remember, <laughs> do you remember 2020? And people will remember 2020. And, you know, maybe it's better that we don't remember the 2020 Christmas. Cause 2020 Christmas, yeah. the year that sucked bobbles. Oh, God. <laughs> I like that. That's a tag. That's a tagline for a Netflix Christmas film. Not a good one. About one of the 38 terrible Christmas films that are on Netflix right now. Or but, Amazon Prime. Or Prime, yeah, or any of the many, many streaming services. But I like how that was the nicest, smoothest segue into what we're actually going to talk about on the podcast. I know, I know. It's it was very smooth although I might delay it one more ever so slightly okay, okay? right so uh, I'm feeling nostalgic yes okay so I'd like to know your favourite memory of Christmas Duke oh right okay probably one particular Christmas I don't know how old I was which one it was but I think it was it was just one particular year that we went to my grandparents for Christmas dinner I think this it was, one, it was the first year that I decided that I was no longer going to be a fussy eater and I say fussy eater, which I still didn't want turkey. I got steak instead, which was incredible. Gran and grandpa pulled out all the stops, all the trimmings. It was just a really nice meal. Everyone, like I, I, I ate probably my body weight, but not more than my body weight in food. So I wasn't quite falling into a coma, but grandparents being grandparents had the radiators, like the central heating on, as well as the fire. So that loaded up with food. I was pretty tired, but I was super comfortable, and it was just, yeah, all around, it was just really, really nice. Um, like I said, there's been a, quite a few years like that, so the memories probably merge into 
one, but that's quite a nice. Yeah, memory. it was either that or the year I got Pokemon Yellow <laughs> on the Game Boy. <laughs> so, but I'm gonna go with the grandparents one because that was a that was a good year. Okay, so my favorite memory of Christmas it was going to Aviemore to see Santa. Oh, nice. And the we're in the 80s i am five years old so mm -hmm. 1985 mm -hmm. gmtv or or breakfast oh, yeah. television from, uh -huh. from, from itv or stv they were filming a segment all right uh we arrived uh abby moore we went into and he, the, when you saw santa you he had his workshop you got your kind of tour but also they had all the toys literally a toy shop that you could go oh, right. and I, I got pulled aside probably because I had red hair and you're in Scotland so these English TV presenters thought <laughs> well there's a walk-in stereotype <laughs> quick give him a can of iron brew <laughs> let's interview that five-year-old redhead and I was, I was more than up for it and I got asked three questions one of, the, one of the questions was if Santa was wearing a hat. Now, Santa was right behind me, mm. and I had to turn around and, and look at him and make sure. Yes, mm. he was wearing a hat. I got asked if it was a large hat or a small hat. Mm. And even though I'd already looked at him, I had to double take. <laughs> but I know he was, he's wearing a wee hat, I said. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, no, I got my Scots out. I, I was not going to use Queen's English and say, he's wearing a small hat. It's a miniature. He's wearing a wee hat, is what I said. And then I got asked, would I leave um, Santa on Christmas Eve? And I said, I'm in Spa, but what about the reindeer? Now, normally, people would leave carrots. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mm. think that's a staple. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe a treat of a parsnip. <laughs> I had a cat called Tigger growing up. Nice. So obviously, a five-year-old boy would assume that reindeer would eat cat food. <laughs> so that's why I said, cat food! <laughs> that's why I would feed Santa's reindeer. Santa's getting a mince pie and Rudolph is getting whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> or some Felix, whatever's in the cupboard. Yeah, whatever's, whatever's available. Oh um, man, that's funny. That's a great, very fun memory. And I also came back from Abbey Moore with uh, Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi. Ah, nice. Yeah, with black arm. Oh, yeah. And green lightsaber that shot out. This, this is when the lightsabers were attached to the ah, arm. Ah, right, yeah. And yep. they just pulled forward like that. Very cool. Um, what are your feelings on Brussels sprouts? Uh, no, <laughs> just straight up no. Um, that was a very fast answer. Yeah, that is. Because I have that preloaded. It doesn't matter what time of year. If sprouts come anywhere near me, come out in a mad rash. I don't actually have an allergic reaction. I just hate them. I can't have them. I've tried them. Yeah. As as a as a fully fledged card carrying human adult, I've tried them and I've tried them as kids. As a kid, sorry. I hated them as a kid. I hate them as an adult. So no, sprouts can go away. Right. So what? What? How do you react if to the people that jazz them up? I mean, we're talking like Delia Smith. <laughs> Let's cover them in cranberries mm. and the finest bacon. Nigella mm. Lawson's probably slathered them in cream <laughs> and is slathering that all over <laughs> herself in her sultry way that she does. Jesus. Okay? 
It's a lovely image, I know. <laughs> but we're trying to hide the fact they're Brussels sprouts. How do you react to those people? I know that they're Brussels sprouts, and I know that I'll taste the sproutiness hiding in there somewhere, so no, and it doesn't matter how you dress them up. Sprouts are sprouts, and they can politely go away because I'm not using the sweary word because it's a Christmas one. So. It is a Christmas one. And with this festive mini pod, mm-hmm. shall we call it, we had a lot of positive comments to the mini pod that, that I released on the Blair Witch Project. Oh yeah. And yeah. fortunately, Duke was not there for, for, for that podcast, but we have his wonderful company today for the festive edition. And quite rightly so, because it is Dugan Picks bad yet surprisingly good film and TV podcast. Please watch these Christmas movies. I mean, for if you ain't seen them, I don't know why you're listening. It's a Christmas film podcast. I would be super surprised if we had to put a spoiler thing out for this because well, when one of them was a good portion of these films were out in the eighties at yeah. least. Yeah, eighties, nineties. you know. It's, it's rare that we're covering something new. Yeah, yeah, there's maybe a reason for that, but yeah, we'll yeah, maybe get to that. Yeah, definitely going to be a reason for that. But <laughs> yeah, if, if you've not seen some of these films that we're talking about, then shame on you, okay? <laughs> shame on you, and that's your homework for, for Christmas. Yeah, and it'll make your Christmas so much better as well if you get these films watched. Yeah, it'll make you festive. Very festive. The idea is simple. This is not like our our normal podcast. Choose five Christmas movies. One of them, number two to be precise, because we're doing like a countdown. Mm -hmm. Five, four, three, two, one. Woo! (laughs) Number two has to be a guilty pleasure. Now, we tried to do this separately. And we tried (laughs) to do this in a way that would be a surprise. Unbeknownst to each of us, because... We're virtually twins, even though there's mm. 12 years apart. Yeah. We have chosen the same films. Pretty much. And it was quite funny because we had to sort of discuss and we were going to keep it a secret. And then we thought, no, we should probably talk about, you know, just, just in case. To which we found out that we had almost ranked them, the exact same films, in the exact same order. Yes. Maybe give or take number five and four, but... Yeah, well, I'm honestly, I'm still convinced that, Dave, you've been sent from the future, 12 years in the future, back to warn me about something, and it's just yet to happen. Hey, can I tell you, when I landed (laughs) in that ball of electricity (laughs) in Scotland, naked, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, (laughs) like Robert Patrick... Oh, yeah. Like yeah. the female Terminator that nobody remembers the name of. No, no, God. Woo! That was a fresh morning, I can tell you that. But Brisk. I'm on mission. <laughs> Our list was, was virtually identical. So what, what we've done is we've, we've come up with the top five, hmm. and I have actually rejigged my list. So the my number four hmm. was your number five. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what my five and four were, respectively, because so, it was quite well, close. I, I've got the list here. Right. Okay? Yep. So I have actually thought, I did think about it, uh-huh. and I wasn't thinking, oh, well, that just makes it more streamlined. I thought, no, do you know what? I'm going to have to move mine up. Right, okay. Because if it came to a choice between those two, yeah. I'd rather watch that one. Oh, right, so that, yeah, yeah. Therefore, I put that at number four. Right. 
So in at number five, mm. we have Home Alone, 1990, directed by Chris Columbus. Mm -hmm. We all know the story. The McAllisters leave for France on their holiday of a lifetime, whole family. Lo and behold, Kevin has been left behind. Yep. Cue slapstick moments. <laughs> Cue running around, arms in the air, screaming the word freak, freak out, freak, <laughs> trashing my big brother's room, etc. And stir it up with a phenomenal performance from both Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci Absolutely. as our bungling burglars who find Kevin all alone. I have to admit, it's, it is their reaction. I mean, the, the anticipation of the whole film is just waiting for when they try to break into the McAllister's house. And it's the reactions, and quite rightly so. I mean, it is incredibly excruciating things that happen, <laughs> that happen to them. But the one that sticks out for me more than anything is when he stands on, there's a nail, there's like a, yes. like a three inch nail sticking out of uh, one of the basement steps. And it's how there's almost no sound and he just silently steps into this thing. <laughs> and then there's a pause of complete silence. And it's the scream and I'm falling backwards. It gets me every time. Absolutely every time. It's a brilliant scene. That's Marv, one of the burglars, yep. Daniel Stern. By this point, he's in bare feet <laughs> because Kevin has smothered tar. Yep all over the stairs <laughs> and yes and he has camouflaged the nail into the scene oh God. here's a fact for you oh yeah so marv by that point is is in bare feet mm -hmm. so what they do if you are if you are performing in bare feet very much like john mclean did in die oh, hard yeah. and actually they learned this technique from that oh, is what they do is they create thin boots oh. that they put on yeah. that are flesh colored and look like feet Ah. So they are actually walking around in very thin, comfy boots. Oh, right, wow. So, so for the scene, yeah. you, you need to look very, very closely, but you can actually see that it's... Yeah, I was going to say, because it's a bit of a close-up shot of when he actually stands on it. So I'll take my hat off to the props department then. Would, it, would that be props that deal with that? Yeah, yeah it, it would be. be, would it, be it? it would be uh, It would be props, probably makeup. Um, Aye. It could be a combination of all. Uh, Team effort. When Marv steps on the Christmas lights, they're sweets. They're hard-boiled sweets. Ah. Do you know what? That would still that hurt. That would still hurt. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so you, again, you, you still need that kind of basic feet protection. Yep. I made my family disappear. This is my house. I have to defend it. Yes. The little jerk is armed. Marv. Harry? Why the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? Where'd he go? Maybe he committed suicide. Rob, you gotta call the cops! He's not calling the cops. From a tree house? Come on. Hey, Kev. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty cool that you didn't burn the place down. What else did you do while we were away? Just hung around. The nail in the foot, absolutely. The blowtorch. <laughs> Harry gets his head through the door. He's in the McAllister's house. He's after Kevin. He opens the door. Boom! Blowtorch goes off and fries his little bald head. 
And then he, what does he do? He runs outside yep. and jumps into the snow head it's, it's quite, It's quite cartoony in oh, a way. Yeah. Like Everything that happens in this, you could see happening between Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Yeah. Totally. So the fact that they pulled this off in a sort of live action setting, you know, I take my, I take my hat off to the the stunt, uh, stunt coordinators and stunt people that you know were all involved in this because uh, some of the bits and pieces looked kind of sore. Joe Pesci's stuntman apparently had it the the toughest, especially oh, when right. you, if if you watch the the sequence, it's going up the steps Aye. and flipping. <sighs> yeah, right yeah. enough. Yeah, and he, he does have padding. But I mean, does you, nothing. Well, this this is the thing. You point out that it's it's cartoonish, but mm. these guys are still doing real stunts, landing on concrete. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. It, he lands on his head. Yeah, it's incredible, and yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, I know, and but this is it. I mean, you know, you, you got to suffer. You know, you have to suffer for the art, I suppose. And you do. I don't think they were able to do too many takes otherwise the insurance companies probably would have got involved but um you know it does it, it all contributes to just like a really slapstick through and through yeah funny christmas film proper, so. proper old school slapstick yeah uh i have to give a a nod to when kevin is going through buzzy's <laughs> stuff yeah yeah and he holds up a picture that he finds in uh, buzzy's trunk and he goes Buzz, your girlfriend, whoop, puts the picture down. So Chris Columbus didn't actually want to take a picture of a girl because he knew that that joke could be offensive. Ah, oh, right. So he got an overweight boy and put a wig on him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the person in that photo is a, is a slightly rotund a teenage boy. Yeah, I heard that his mum or dad was part of the production team. I don't know if that's just a rumour, but the, right. pe- the, the, the picture of the, the, the boy was a son of someone in the production team. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you would maybe need to look that up. I don't know if it's just like an internet rumour, but... I don't know what's more disturbing. I think <laughs> Columbus didn't want to offend the girl in the, uh, the would-be picture. Yeah, yeah. Or the fact that he, he knowingly perhaps used one of his crew member's son <laughs> to get dressed up as a girl yeah. and scar them for the rest of their life for that little tiny section of a scene. Well, that, that, that's it, isn't it? It's just, it's literally a couple of seconds. It is. But, um, you know, you talk to anyone that's watched the film and they know exactly what you're on about and you, yeah. can, you can almost visualise the person in the picture as yeah, well. And yeah. it, it, is, it is funny, but it is funny. it's kind of, it's was interesting as you didn't want to offend Camp A. So he was okay with <laughs> offending Camp. Yeah, so. Let's get over here instead. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I hope I hope if he's out there that he's he's grown up a success. Yeah. Has a great life and, and looks at that back fondly and isn't in a padded cell somewhere <laughs> saying, I'm not a girl. Right. I'm not Buzzy's girlfriend. <laughs> Coming in at number four. We have, and this is what I changed. Right, okay. Okay, so yep. you were always, this was always your fourth. Yes. My fourth was Home Alone. Uh-huh. And my fifth was this one, which I have changed to number four. All right, okay. My number four, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Ah, yes. With this coat and this hat, I look just like St. Nick. <laughs> You're a mean one. Mr. Grinch. 
You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black beard. Just taste the music, you're a monster. Mr. Grinch, yes you are. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spatters. You got galligators all over, Mr. Grinch. Well, I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half a For three quarters, not five eighths. Stay focused! You know, if you ask the who's who of Whoville, no one's denying. Slow. But that's what these tests are for! You're a vile one! <clears throat> Mr. Grinch, you have termites in your smile. You have all that tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch! Given the choice between you, I'd take that. Came out in 2000, yep. directed by Ron Howard mm. and starring in possibly one of his top three performances yeah. outside of The Truman Show and depending if you're in that camp or not, uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, mm -hmm. or perhaps Man on the Moon. Jim Carrey as yep. the Grinch. Nobody could have played the Grinch like Jim Carrey has. No, and I'm, I'm glad, because I'm sure there's an interview online, we might have talked about this before, but he really struggled with the prosthetics and the makeup, because it was, it was like four or five hours. And you know, you hear, you hear about people that go under that amount of prosthetics and makeup for a, a role and it can take anywhere between like four and six hours and mm -hmm. it really obviously that's a lot of work to get up at like stupid o'clock in the morning to have that done to you you then try and give as best a performance as possible and then to be fair it takes about half the time to pull all the stuff off but that can still be two to three hours it can be, to yeah. get it all back off so he very nearly you know said to ron howard like look i can't keep doing this and uh, i'm sure they got like a specialist who used to train people in the fbi or the cia to withstand torture so they can get information out of them and he uh, he had, jim carrey adopted some of those techniques in order to keep himself i guess sane during all this. So. I think you would need those oh, techniques. It, it must feel really claustrophobic. It pro yeah, and I mean, 
there's a lot you know you can you can see it there's like loads of behind the scenes stuff and it's yak hair that the Grinch costume had and that was all individually put on and stuff but again like we mentioned about Home Alone like I guess there is a little bit of suffering for the art sort of thing like the Grinch is through and through a really good family Christmas film Mm -hmm. like I the only reason it's not higher on my list is because I just prefer the other ones just a little bit more there might be more sentimentality attached to it but i do remember seeing the grinch in the cinema and just so think, yeah and i just i just remember thinking oh man this is really really funny but when you go back and watch it as a grown-up you get some of the more subtle kind of jokes for grown-ups not necessarily you know you know mature in terms of like triple x absolute filth kind of thing it's just some funny jokes like he he bites into the glass bottle and his remark is, mm, excellent year. I, I don't know why, I just find that's really, really funny. <laughs> I, I do I find that really funny as well. And I, I think what, what you, what's interesting actually is that point that you've made. Because mm-hmm. it shows you that films are, good films are rightly so aware of their audience. Yes. And in a kid's film, you have to be aware that there's an adult audience there. Yeah. So you've got to throw them a bone here or there. Yep. And I love that because mm. you know that joke's for me. Yeah. And these kids ain't getting it. No. And they'll get it later on in life. Yeah, right? when they're watching but it with right their now, kids. That's for me. Because yeah. how old would you have been watching The Grinch? When was it out? 2000? 2000. I was eight. Okay, so I, you went to the cinema to see it. Yep. I went to the cinema to see it. You were eight. Yep. I was twenty. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and I saw that I, I didn't have kids at that moment. No, no. Okay. Yeah. I went with. I didn't go by myself. <laughs> just, I didn't. Just I didn't go with Duke as an eight-year-old. I didn't know him. Uh, okay, so get these thoughts out of your head. Okay, I went with my lovely fiance at the time, who is now my wife, mm-hmm. and I do have two kids. And no, I, I, I went as a fan of Jim Carrey and as a fan of Christmas in general. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I saw all those adult jokes and yeah. I loved them. I thought it was hysterical. But in terms of going back to that childhood, mm-hmm. you know, the, the child in the audience or the Duke in the audience, <laughs> you know, I still got all that as well. Because yeah. you, know, you get the sentim- sentimentality and you sit there and you're just like, this is just really sweet, yeah. really nice. Yep. And yet when it's dark, it's really dark yeah. and really funny and disturbing. Yeah. Just to show you kind of like how disturbing humour was. I mean, Jim Carrey, because mm-hmm. it was filmed in the Universal Backlog. Yeah. Okay. So Jim Carrey between takes as a, just for, for Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey, and used to put on a bathrobe and a shower cap <laughs> because they were behind the Bates Motel. <laughs> and when they were doing tours, he would leap out at people on the tour guide as mother or a, you know, That's amazing. with a big fake knife dressed as the Grinch. <laughs> As mother and oh, yeah. that so, is funny. And they still they still talk about that in the tour. Oh, do they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he made his mark. But you know that I just I just love that. I just think that they must have been having having so much fun. Yeah. But the the real adult humour in it. Yes. That that probably goes over a lot of people's heads. Uh-huh. But I watch it and I sit there and I just giggle gleefully uh-huh. but I'm also sitting there going that 
got super messed up. <laughs> Why is that in a kid's film? Yeah. But I love it. Yeah. When the Grinch first arrives as a baby, <laughs> yeah. you know already what I'm talking about. I had it in the back right? of my head and I thought, is this is this what he's on about? Oh, yeah. But, so, yeah. The, so the Grinch floats down and arrives and looks through the window at the party mm-hmm. that's going on in Whoville with all the adults who are dropping their keys into a giant <laughs> glass bowl, which some people will already realise is a swinger party <laughs> tradition. Oh, straight away, it's an adult joke, it's an adult theme. Yeah. You know? The Whovilles are super are swingers. <laughs> they, they are super, super, it's a very oh. isolated community. I mean, they're the only village on that snowflake right now. <laughs> that's, that's, so. that's a very good point. But <laughs> I don't know if you were going to follow up with this, but do you remember when one of the other babies floats down to the front door and the guy comes out and he's like, Honey, our baby's here. He just looks, he looks just like your boss. Yes. Again, see, the keyboard and that joke I did not get as a kid. That was just part of the film. And I guess my parents thought... <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I never heard them giggling. Yeah. I didn't realise there were jokes until I was older and I thought, <laughs> yikes. But I mean, I mean, this ha- is it. The kids don't get it. Yeah, but you, ima- you imagine having like that conversation kids. around, like, the script table. Mm. Like, Ron, Ron, Ron Howard's there and everything. It's like, right, we're doing it. We've got the flashback scene. Yeah. Okay, we've got some gags in here. Can we push the boat out? And a little hand kind of going up. He's like, Where's the-? you know, here's the thought. Has anybody considered that the... The citizens of Whoville, living on that tiny snowflake, as you rightly point out, do maybe they're a little bit bored and maybe they're swingers. <laughs> you know, at what point does does anybody in that room stop that person? No, they turn and turn and divert their attention, and yeah. they're just like, "That's genius." Yep. The adult audience will love it. Yeah, it's and funny. It's so funny. Yeah. It is so funny because it's so unexpected. Yeah, it does kind of come out of nowhere, but it's it's. I mean, it's. I guess it's implied or it's innuendo or whatever, but it is something that will go over a kid, a young kid's head completely. To be honest, probably even teenagers. Because I, I don't know, I've never been to a swingers party, but I don't know if that sort of <laughs> if that sort of stuff still goes well, on. Well, you're still people. young. <laughs> There's still time, but um, I don't know. Maybe that's like a I don't know a dated a dated thing, a dated reference. I don't know. I might need to look so up the swingers a... compendium or whatever. Like, what, what's the etiquette here? Oh dear. I mean, hey, it could have been worse. Uh, I watched a documentary on dogging. Uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas, least, everyone. At least, <laughs> at least the Grinch didn't arrive into a car park. <laughs> and the, the Hughes were surrounding steamy windows. <laughs> Sydney Lou! Oh, it's past your bedtime! Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Man. I am so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually listening to the words coming out of my mouth and I'm like, what the <laughs> Incredible bombshell. <laughs> the the Grinch is great for so many reasons. Yep. I love the the narration by Anthony Hopkins. Yep. It's just it's per, word perfect. He's got one of those voices as well. Eh? It does. It's, it's yeah. just a very narrative voice. Like you, it grabs your attention, but it's also whimsical and you know warm, which is ironic for someone that played a psychotic. Yes. 
cannibal. <laughs> it shows the range. It yeah, shows, that's true. He has he has range. That is true. I think before we, we go to number three, standout moment for me for the film overall, mm. okay, aside like adult or kid humour, it's when the Grinch goes nuts. <laughs> yeah. At the, yeah. The, the, what's the award that he wins? Oh, the, uh, the, ju- uh, oh, the, the jubil- jubilee, jubilation, or hubilation, that was it. Right. Because everything's a pun. <laughs> yes. And he steals the tiny car. <laughs> and you have this brilliant little car chase sequence yeah. or the crowd going mad yeah. and he crashes it and it's obviously tiny and he gets up and he, she's gonna blow and he runs yeah. and you get the almighty hollywood <laughs> explosion I, that that is brilliant it's so funny. good it is so good uh, but you're right it's like a die-hard scale explosion but for something that was like the size of one of these like mini moto like you know it was like a toy car that you'd maybe get for like a four-year-old yeah you know to like just and he actually did drive oh, it so funny yes um i'm trying to think oh, there's so many to choose from but i always got a proper chuckle out of when cindy Lou catches him with the tree Yes. And asks Santa, "What's Christmas really about?" And he sticks his face to the tree and just replies, "Vengeance!" <laughs> and it's just it, every time I just find it so funny. What is Christmas really about? Vengeance. Yeah, and she looks at him, and he's, he realizes our <laughs> presents. I suppose <laughs> it's like yeah, it's really quotable. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. It gives you a warm, grinchy hug. Yeah. Every yeah. Christmas, what's what's not to love? Yep. I'll tell you, Max, I don't know why I ever leave this place. I've got all the company I need right here. Hello! Hello! How are you? How are you? I asked you first. I asked you first. Oh, that's really mature, saying exactly what I can. I'm an idiot! You're an idiot! You're an idiot! Alright, fine. I'm not talking to you anymore. In fact, I'm going to whisper so that by the time my voice reverberates off the walls and gets back to me, I won't be able to hear it. You're an idiot! You're an idiot! Something else that my Christmas is never without, I watch it at least once this Christmas, I have to admit, I have watched it twice All right. already. Already. Oh, okay. okay. I know that you've still got a week to go before. <laughs> um, but number three, yep. I mean, come on, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So good. 1989, 31 years old? Bloody hell. I, I don't personally think it, it looks or feels like a 31-year-old film when I watch it. Now. No, which is quite interesting because obviously it's from the late 80s and people have hairstyles and, you know, there's all sorts of styles from the late 80s. Big hair. But at the same time, there's a kind of timelessness to the film at the same time. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, you know, if you've listened to previous podcasts, I'm a... I'm a big advocate of not putting too many pop culture references because it ages a film so badly. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, even though there are you know particular aesthetics, it is kind of like a timeless film. But obviously, this film predates me 
But my, I think it was my mum actually. She was like, "Oh, you guys will, you guys will enjoy this." And we started watching it maybe I don't know seven, eight years ago, um, and it it very quickly became one of my favourites because it's so funny. It is. You you've got that classic slapstick again. Yes. Yeah. You know, Chevy Chase, Clark W. Griswold, when he's <laughs> locked in the attic, he steps on the planks three times. <laughs> I that never ceases to make me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And not just the once. I laugh for all three, <laughs> all three of them. Okay. It's the noise it makes as well. The sound department got it just bang on. Oh, it sounds yeah. like such a violent smack, but yeah. But we've all had that Christmas where we're cooped in with members of our family yeah. that we don't particularly want to spend time with. Yes. And Clark's got the heart of gold. He wants the swimming pool present for everybody. And all because he's Clark, all these little things start to go wrong because yep. that's the point of National Lampoon. Yep. The turkey, jerky <laughs> turkey. <laughs> I think I think we put it in too early. Oh God! I take my hat off to the props department, but it's when they they cut into. <laughs> And it like opens like the face hugger egg in Alien. Yes. And it's completely dried out. But it's the sound as well. It's the sort of Yes! <laughs> yes! And you know that's such a superb analogy because and they probably were thinking about it actually puffs <laughs> stuff out of it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, is, is it supposed to be steam? But it's it's kind of like grey yellow. Yeah, colour. it's got a colour to it. It's like it's like farting in the face. <laughs> It's horrible, and it's this—it's the noise of everyone kind of chewing and crunching on it, and like yes. you know, guzzling water to try and make it go down. But oh, oh absolutely so superb! Now, something I've discovered actually recently was mm. that Home Alone director Chris Columbus. Yes, he was the original director oh. of Christmas Vacation. All right, now, he either wrote it or co-wrote it with John Hughes can't quite remember right. I'm sure someone in uh, someone listening might correct me and, and if so please comment please always you know uh, mm-hmm. I, I, we try and get things correct but we do make mistakes Chris Columbus did not get on with Chevy Chase now I, I don't find that overly surprising I never watched Community the, the more the more recent thing that Chevy Chase has been in and a lot of cast members have gone on interviews and records to say that he's actually quite a difficult person to work with. Wow. Um, I don't know if it's his sense of humour or it, maybe they just, you know, maybe Chevy Chase was just at that particular age where, you know, he's not up for getting up at silly o'clock in the morning to start filming or be, go to makeup. You know, maybe he's, a, you know, a fair bit more particular, but apparently it was quite difficult to get through a day of filming and you know trying to I don't know try and get a handle on what kind of mood he was in so I, you know don't get me wrong I, th- I, I thought Chevy Ch- I think Chevy Chase's uh, earlier stuff is very very funny you know he was yeah. in Carry Shack uh, The Three Amigos with Steve Martin and uh, is it Martin Small? Uh, Martin Short Martin Short yep close uh, enough yeah <laughs> it wasn't too far <laughs> off and obviously the National Lampoon films as well. So, you know, he is very, very funny. But as we're finding in more recent times, that sometimes you have to separate the art from the artist. You know, yes. so sometimes people that are very funny turn out to be terrible people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, he did disappear for a long time he as did, well. He did, yeah. And yeah. You, you maybe question why that was. Mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe nobody 
would work with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, you know, word gets about Hollywood, I suppose. I mean, the, the new director that came in, Jeremiah Chichik, he has nothing but positives to say. Oh, okay. But that's not the first time I have heard that about Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah. Being, being difficult. And you, you think as well, these big comic performers, mm-hmm. that, you know, why are they like that in real life? Yeah, yeah. Nine times out of ten, they aren't. No, and they're, yeah. They're really quite quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, because because it, it, it's a it's a big performance that they're putting on. Yeah, and actually they're quite they're not like that. They're reserved. They keep yeah. to themselves. But then that's that's personality rather than professionalism. No, that that is true as well because you know in the same sort of vein, uh, Bill Murray he is uh, you know he, he plays he tends to play obnoxious characters and I think he is in real life a bit obnoxious. He's funny with it, but. I think if you've seen enough Bill Murray films and you know he isn't that different on and off screen then you can probably gauge oh he's having a joke or oh he's maybe being a bit of an ass right now so it, it, it can be kind of difficult I don't think everyone's a method actor and thank god for it because it sounds like an absolute nightmare for production teams yeah. if you're a if you're a method actor you know regardless you know the performance he does in you know National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is just so funny that unrealistic goals that he's set for himself and you know he does everything he can to try and achieve them the the, the family members that he really doesn't want in the house and the quote the quote of the film for me is when his cousin show, uh, you know his wife's cousin shows up and it's just Eddie if I woke up tomorrow morning with my face stapled to the carpet I wouldn't be as surprised as I am right now it's just that's partly the quote because I can't do the one where he's um, describing his boss you know the really long winded um, description of how yeah that's which was partially ab-libbed so if you re-watch that scene the people that are standing the the family members that are standing in front of Chetty when Mm -hmm. he does this huge rant and actually it's it's incredible it's really difficult dialogue to get yeah Chevy Chase ab-libbed the majority of that the people in standing in front of him are holding signs, mm-hmm. and the signs have got key words, and uh-huh. Chevy has to fit them into his rant. Ah, oh, right, right, okay. Which works really well, and mm-hmm. if you actually look at him, he can, he yeah. can see, he can tell. Clark, what's wrong? Honey. <laughs> it's bigger than you expected? <laughs> <laughs> Smaller? What is it? It's a one-year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh, God. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. That it is, Edward. That it is indeed. I'm sorry, Clark. This isn't the biggest bag over the head punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Son. you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me I have one I like Frank Shirley my boss right here tonight 
I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there in Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? No, that, that part is, is, is like, it's, it's like everybody's frustration yeah. being felt and coming out at that point, yep. you know? And it's really relatable. That's mm. what I like about National Lampoons. On one hand, it's incredibly stupid and very funny. Yeah. The scene where he uses the industrial cleaner <laughs> to go down, and, and that's what the director wanted. Yeah. He wanted to completely sideswipe you with mm -hmm. slapstick comedy and then ground you with a really touching, heartfelt moment. Yeah. And that, that's how it works. <laughs> the quote that you said there reminds me of what Buzz actually said. And it's, it's funny because it's another John Hughes mm -hmm. vehicle. So John Hughes wrote Home Alone. Oh, right, right. John right. Hughes, I'm pretty certain, wrote National Lampoon for right. Christmas Vacation. Yep. So you said that, that quote. Buzz, don't you know how to knock Flemwad? Can I sleep in your room? I don't want to sleep on the hide bed before. If you have something to drink, he'll wet the bed. I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So there's, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, is John Hughes rehashing material? Mm. It mm -hmm. works. Absolutely. That, that line for Cousin Eddie is brilliant. Oh, no. The line that just gets me every <laughs> time. Okay, and I'm probably going to do a soundbite for it. Now, the, you'll recognise those of you that listen that I, I tend to cut in soundbites when I'm editing the podcast. You know, it's, it's for a little bit extra. It makes it a little bit different. It makes it a little bit fun. So I'll probably cut to a soundbite. But yes, uh, the quote that always gets me is, Clark has cut down the tree, the Griswold family Christmas tree is in the yard. He's going to do some trimming. He's wearing... Jason's hockey mask, he's got Leatherface's chainsaw, two great references right there, and his neighbour says to him, his obnoxious neighbour, because you've got to have an obnoxious neighbour, not, you know, Clark's never the obnoxious neighbour, it's the straight-laced people next door. Yep. Looks like the toad overestimated the height of his living room ceiling. <laughs> Where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. You've got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. I wasn't talking to you. And obviously the neighbor's there with his wife, who's Julia Louise Dreyfus. Oh, so it is. From Seinfeld yep. and from Veep. Yep. Great joke. To be honest, I had it in my head. The, the one you were going to go for was when Eddie was talking about the metal plate in his oh my head. God. Well, don't go putting all that stuff on my sled, Clark. You know that metal plate in my head? Ah, how can I forget? I had to have it replaced because every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. 
So over at the VA, they had to replace it with a plastic one, and it ain't as strong, so... <laughs> I don't know if I ought to go sailing down no hill with nothing between the ground and my brain but a piece of government plastic. <laughs> you really think it matters, Eddie? Well, you see, the, the plate runs right underneath my part here. And these, over here, it's, you know, nothing, but... But here, if this gets dented, then my hair just ain't gonna look right. I know the feeling. <laughs> it's such a specific thing <laughs> for such a ridiculous reason. And you don't even see it. There's no there's no flashback or reference. It's just a, it's just how he tells you. <laughs> it's just He's oh, it's so he's funny. He's so straight faced when he does it. And it's a genius line. Absolutely genius. <laughs> so good. I don't know I they must have had so many takes oh, of that. They had to. Because I would have completely upended myself. Oh, no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have managed. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. One last thing I just want to point out about mm. Christmas Vacation. Uh, when Clark is setting up <laughs> all the lights, they yeah. pretty much need their own nuclear power oh, God, yeah. grid <laughs> to, to run. He, he's unable to get them to work. Yeah. And he gets really frustrated. He starts to hit and bash <laughs> and wreck his Christmas decorations. Yeah. So that those were real decorations. All right. And Chevy Chase actually broke his pinky. Oh no! But, but the, 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 that's the take that's in the film. Is it? So All he, right. He just kept on going. Oh wow! And then got it reset afterwards. Jeez, oh. But yeah, he. Uh, uh, he punches Santa Claus full on in the face. I was going to say, like, he actually like almost holds the back of it whilst yeah. he's like. And you know, as, a, as, a, as a result, he, he, he broke his pinky Jeez, but kept oh. on going. He might be a questionable person, mm -hmm. but he suffers for his craft. <laughs> Number two is interesting because mm. I specifically said to you mm. prior to you going away and having a think about the list. Yeah. Number two has to be the guilty pleasure. Yep. It has to be the one that you like for all the wrong reasons. And there, there's a, I was watching a comedian the other day, mm -hmm. and he, he, he brought up the fact that you, you should never say a film is so bad it's good. Because really, what you're saying is, it's good. Yeah. Okay? And I was listening to him, and I was just thinking, you're so wrong. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with saying a film is so bad it's good no the point is we're not supposed to like it yeah okay but yep. we do you do anyway we like it for all the wrong reasons and probably people are listening saying no you're just repeating the fact that you actually really like this movie okay <laughs> and I'll just repeat again no I am not supposed to like this movie but you know what it's good. Yep. It's a guilty pleasure. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yep. Number two, 1996. Brian Levin directing. Anakin Skywalker. Oh, yeah. As the son. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Howard. Jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. Oh, excuse me. Yes? I'm trying to find a German doll. Me too, me too. Do you have any more in the back? <laughs> what? <laughs> these, these, these guys are looking for a uh, turbo man? A German dog, yes. <laughs> They're looking for turbo man. <laughs> hey, everybody, these two are looking for a 
Turbo Man. Shut up, man. Now, what's so funny? Where have you guys been? Turbo Man's only the hottest selling Christmas toy ever. Uh. <laughs> but you know what? We got plenty of Turbo Man's faithful Saber Tooth Tiger Booster. <laughs> Where's your Christmas spirit? That's better. Now, there must be a turbo man around here somewhere. The last one just left. Um, some lady had it on layaway. A lady? Yeah. What lady? Uh, uh, short, uh, with a fur coat. Fur coat. Uh huh. Fur Sorry, buddy. Oh. <laughs> We both agreed on this and again, it was just funny how, again, A Guilty Pleasure was the exact same one when it came to the Christmas films. Produced by Chris Columbus. So, there seems to be a pattern here. He seems to be the go-to guy if you're doing any kind of Christmas film. And this is this is completely accidental. Jeez, oh. Like, we, I, I just want to reiterate, we did not sit and no. come up with a list together. <laughs> no, no, we had we, our lists. We went away and we were going to compile the ultimate, between us, for this film podcast, our ultimate Christmas movie list. Yep. And just because we had an, an inkling that we might have the same ones, mm -hmm. we checked. And we did. In the same, pretty much the same order. <laughs> our guilty pleasure is Jingle All The Way. Yeah, it is, for all intents and purposes, not a great film, but is really good at the same time. How can something so bad remain so good? I know, I know. And it's it's during um, Schwarzenegger's, like, um, I'm not doing action anymore, I'm going to start doing comedy phase. He made Junior, in which he gave birth. <laughs> now, I will say that that is an awful, awful horrendous movie. Yeah. But people would say that about Jingle All The Way. Yeah, but, no, but, that's but, true. But Jingle All The Way doesn't have classic moments like visiting an underground Santa's <laughs> workshop. And I say underground, not literally underground. No, I'm no. talking black market. Yep. Crooked Santa's played, the head Santa played superbly by Jim Belushi. Oh, yeah. Jim Belushi was re-teaming with Schwarzenegger. They, they made... Um, Red Heat in the 80s uh -huh. and uh, James Belushi came on and filmed this as a as, as, as almost like a cameo mm -hmm. as, a, as a little favour just to kind of work with because with, with, Ar him and Arnold Schwarzenegger are good friends mm -hmm. you know but but getting into that they've got a secret password obviously obviously you know? yep you knock on the door password James Belushi leans in and again dead serious jingle bells Batman smells. <laughs> <laughs> What's not to love 
about a small joke like oh, that. Oh, I know, I know. And it's just the... It's quite funny because it's it's not that it's self-aware, but there's almost like an extra layer to it that the the scenes where um, Howard is trying to get hold of this terrible man that um, <laughs> his his son wants so badly, this the superhero character like this action. Glenn it's G- just a doll, Jamie. It's just a doll. <laughs> <laughs> go and say, get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Go, go now. <laughs> Oh um, my god. Yeah, Predator is not a Predator is not a Christmas film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna do uh, uh Marnie, you know. It, it is the, there is the ridiculousness of like the sort of montage of them going to like all these shopping centres and all these or malls because it's American trying to get hold of this um, incredibly popular toy for his son and you know it comes up comes up empty pretty much every time and you know it is quite funny because of the ridiculousness and the breakdown scene that the Grinch has like it's just bec- it yeah. just becomes utter chaos and you know people are trying to get into the toy store and they have to grab a coloured ball and that dictates yes. what order they get seen in or you know stuff like that um, and you know he tries to persuade this kid like you know give give me that ball and I'll give you this shiny red ball that he got out of a ball uh, pit again, kind of thing. A, a little girl. Yeah. In a soft play. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So a giant six over six foot muscle bound man. <laughs> Look at this. I can't. I can't I, I, now that you've said that, I can't. I cannot even do an impression. I know. I, I know. I don't even know what that was when I said that. You know. <laughs> I got a shiny ball. <laughs> what? This I sound like a you know. Uh, oh God, I'm not even gonna say what I sound like. You know? And he gets beaten up. Yep. Because they think he's a pervert. Yeah, he gets properly. But beaten by handbags. But the fact is that it's still it, this is a kids movie. Yep. You know, there's a PG, and he walks away <laughs> protesting, and he's you know because he wants to buy. You know, I'm not a pervert. It's <laughs> <laughs> so. I know, you know, but, I know. But the joke there is so dark. Oh, absolutely. Know? No, absolutely. Again, it just, it, it, it finds that right level, you know. Yeah. The idea that Myron, played by Sinbad, yes. the mailman who is also on the same mission, mm-hmm. who threatens the police with a homemade oh, bomb that he yeah. found, because he, he found it, you know. You call the cops? <laughs> kind of. Let's get out of here. Okay. But I'm going first, buddy. Ah! <laughs> Better luck next time, loser. Free! Hey! Hey! Hey, guys! <laughs> just can't stay out of trouble, can ya? You wouldn't want to hurt a fellow civil servant, would you? What's all this violence? This Christmas, now it's just delivering some Christmas. Hey! Back up! This is a homemade explosive device, and I'll blow it up. You know why? Because I work for the post office, so you know I'm not stable. Tell him. This man is totally insane. Thank you. Now put the guns down. Now. Put them down. Brother man, put your gun down. Everybody. You too, Barnaby Jones. I was on the bomb squad for 10 years. 
And it turns out that there is actually a bomb. Yep. But that was during the time that people were sending mail bombs. Mail bombs. Yeah, I know. And it's like, oh my god, you're actually making a joke about that. Yeah, you know, it might it might have been kind of risky at the time, or maybe they, just, you know, I don't know, film producers didn't give as much of a hoot back yeah. then. I think probably my favourite part in that film, and I guess just for pure slapstick value is during the sort of fight so um yeah. you know they're in the warehouse with all these santas and you know there's yeah. like santas with like candy cane nunchucks and yes. i'm sure the big bruiser the big tank of a santa claus that's played by the big show it is it well is done. isn't it yeah it is. and there is a little person actor a very small but not elf it was an actual Santa, I think it was yes. just a smaller Santa for obviously comedic value on his shoulders. Yes. Uh, oh, sorry, on Arnold Schwarzenegger's shoulders, um, trying to you know hurt him, trying to bash his head in. His and name was Little Buddy. Little Buddy, and uh, Schwarzenegger oh. or Howard manages to duck just at the right moment, and the big show, full blown, yeah. punches <laughs> this character in a straight line across the warehouse, and yeah, I've there's been been very few times where I've fell off of any sofa laughing but that was one of them the first time i saw that i couldn't breathe i was laughing so hard and little buddy is Vern troyer uh, yeah that, that's right yeah um because because Vern troyer actually he'd been working in hollywood for a long time prior, all right prior to actually playing Mimi, right he was a stunt performer ah right so you would often see films mm -hmm. for example Baby's Day Out. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. right. Comedy, again, is like from John Hughes, Chris Columbus and all yep. that. Baby gets lost in the big city. But one of the crawling babies mm -hmm. is Vern Troyer. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, doubling. Vern Troyer gets the double for babies, for probably for like evil elves or yeah, yeah. leprechauns and horror movies. I, know yeah. that, I don't want to use stereotypes, but, but Warren Davis... You know, he made, yeah. he made several Leprechaun films, including Leprechaun 4, Leprechaun in Space. Oh, yes. All good film sagas need to end in space. Of course, that's, that's where um, Hellraiser went. Hellraiser yep. 4, Bloodline, is set in space. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, you're like what? Was, it, was Jason X not? Jason X, oh my God. Yeah. Jason X is in space as well. Of course it is. I love a God. Yeah. Hey, if a franchise is on its knees, set it in space. <laughs> Can't wait for the next uh, Jurassic Park <laughs> Dinosaurs in space. I can't think of anything more fantastic. We're gonna build a we're gonna build a park. It's gonna be like a safari park, but we're gonna regenerate dinosaurs. But we'll do it on the moon. That way when they get out it won't kill as many people. Oh god. We'll be fine. We'll we'll 
go to the Sea of Tranquility. You know that that's not a real sea. <laughs> that they can just walk over that and still get us. Oh, dear. Fools. When will they learn? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Chris Columbus produced Jingle All The Way and mm. uh, he wanted... He didn't actually want Sinbad as Myron for the casting. All right. Um, Sinbad was, was mainly cast, one, because of his popularity as a comedian. Uh -huh. And that kind of bumbling role, you know, bouncing yeah, yeah. off of, of Arnold Schwarzenegger. But Sinbad's really tall mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, and in the in the original script, it's a much shorter character. So oh, they, right. they wanted Joe Pesci. Oh, okay. Right. And um, Joe Pesci actually came along, uh -huh. but they felt he was too small. Right. And I just find that a little bit ironic because in Twins, Danny DeVito. Yeah. And that's the joke. Yeah. And actually, it's like, do you know what? I, I could quite, I could see Joe Pesci in, you know, running around looking for a, for a toy. Yeah, yeah. I think he would have done a, a good job. Yeah, it's, a, it's an odd reason not to cast him. Yeah. Seeing him next to, because Arnold Schwarzenegger is six foot two, mm -hmm. and Joe Pesci is five foot three. But Danny DeVito is even smaller. Yeah, yeah. So would it have looked strange? I don't think it would have. I think it would have. Been, it would have been funny as well. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that would have bumped it from being a guilty pleasure to just a regular good Christmas film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you, have you ever had trouble growing up getting a Christmas present? Because the whole point, I mean, Jingle All the Way mm. only existed as a script because yeah. the 1980s shopping frenzy over the Cabbage Patch dolls. Oh, yeah, yeah. But also, the same year that Jingle All the Way actually came out, uh -huh. there was Tickle Me Elmo. Oh, right. That was the big one that everybody wanted. Yep. And Buzz Lightyear. Ah, right. And that's, that, those were the gifts that nobody could nobody get. get okay. And I, I remember asking, I was... I mean, I was 16. Mm. I asked for a Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't get one anywhere. Couldn't find and one. And people were selling them literally on street corners. Yeah. Or, you know, out the back of boots of people's cars. Yeah. For hundreds, hundreds of pounds. But then that, that's why that joke of the, the Santa Warehouse works so well. Yeah, because people <laughs> actually did that. Look, it's the Spanish turbo. It's <laughs> <some> bits. <laughs> the bi yeah, the bilingual one. Oh, man. No, and you know, that's kind of funny because that still happens today. I mean, you know, it, it's no secret that there is a shortage of PlayStation 5s and people that's a very good point. and people are where and are buying them to resell them for 2, 300 quid more and it's all just like how desperate are people to buy these, but you know, if you wait long enough Sony will make more yeah. and you'll get them at the regular price. Yeah. I don't think I ever had any troubles out of popular toys. I think I was just after more obscure ones because when I was younger, I was really into Beast Wars, which was the oh, animal, yeah, yeah. animal equivalent of Transformers. Yeah. Um, now, I, had, I, had, I was very lucky, actually. I had the Optimus Prime version, so it was like a silverback gorilla and that was awesome. My friend had the big purple T-Rex, which was Megatron. But I really, for a for quite a few years, I really wanted a cheetah, and I, out of all the toy shops, they had all sorts of different Beast Wars Transformers, but I just could not find cheetah. And none of my friends who had the action figures had this one either. And I really wanted it. And birthdays, Christmases for a couple of years, uh, we tried and tried, and not never never got one. But um, <sighs> them's the ropes, you know. You had to. 
had to learn at a young age you don't always get what you're after <laughs> so but so, I did have I had did have some pretty cool ones though but I never had to. it was it was cheetah or cheetor or whatever it was called this, that was what I could the get thing. there's there's always going to be at least I think one Christmas where you you don't get that one thing that you asked for yeah uh, whether it's sold out whether you can afford it or whatever, ah, yeah yeah okay? but and you know it can leave a mark on you it can because uh, yeah. I'd be interested to know in subsequent years mm. even as an adult yes have you went on eBay and had a wee look or uh, have you went looking for purely for sentimental reason cheetah yeah cheetah cheetor I can't remember some of them had pretty regular names as far as animals went and others had really weird robot names so I can't remember. Yeah, just for purely for sentimental reason, I tried to look up and see if you could buy, you know, Minton Box Optimus Primal, I think it was, because, you know, gorilla animals and all that. And I'm pretty sure it was comfortably in the hundreds, maybe 200 wow. for, maybe not even a, a in-box version of this, it might have been like a used one, but it's still, that was how much it was going for, but no, I haven't, I haven't actually had another, another wee look. Maybe um, one day. You never know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, they might, there might be a reissue or something, but. This, uh, this is a good thing about being an adult, mm. is we can actually, it's like, huh, you know that thing that <laughs> yeah. I really wanted yeah. that I never got? The one thing I wanted that mum and dad couldn't afford, Whereas we got pump huge fashion trend in the very late 80s into the 90s and pretty much with my first real kind of grown up salary, mm -hmm. I went out and I bought a pair of Reebok pump. Nice. I've got 10 pairs now <laughs> and uh, I'll, I, I keep buying them. Yeah. But it's just one of the, you know, not only did they turn out to be the comfiest trainer that I'd ever worn, it's, it's, it's just that way where I feel so nostalgic and it's like, it's like, you know, it just reminds me of childhood. Mm. It's like, I, I still have that thing where I wanted it and I couldn't get it, but now I can. Yeah, now and you it, can, yeah. It feels good, you know. So Absolutely. A new, a new pair of pumps, when, yep. when, I, when they arrive, it's just like, Hmm. Mm. This is good. This is a good feeling. This is nice. I can I can now get this thing that I've been wanting for years, and it goes to show that some things either come around again in fashion, or you know, you, you're just able to afford them now yourself. But yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose that kind of highlights the the importance. I guess some parents will try and do everything to pull out all the stops for their kids' Christmas, because. I mean, I'm in my late 20s and, you know, Christmas is all fine and well and it's a good time of the year. It's just a shame that people couldn't be nice throughout the year, but okay, I'll take a couple of days. But I think there probably comes a point where Christmas then becomes about the kids that you now have as part of your family and, you know, trying to make it as best as possible. And that's obviously what Howard was trying to do all yeah. along. He was trying to make Anakin Skywalker's Christmas just perfect before he turned into Darth Vader and just ruled the galaxy. And have you watched all the way to the end of the credits? I don't think I have. What happens? Is there a post-credit scene? There is. Holy hell. Oh my god. I've, I've, I've honestly, I've not seen it. Am I, am I popping your cherry? <laughs> In the worst way possible, yes. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. What happened? So, we have a medium shot of the Langston residence and the camera kind of goes in a little bit. Mm -hmm. His loving wife, mm -hmm. played by Rita Wilson, mm -hmm. Liz, who's 
been got, she was hit on through the movie by Phil Hartman. Oh yeah, who does the obnoxious neighbour? Yeah, always got to have the obnoxious neighbour. Absolutely, who does the voice of Troy McClure? She says how proud she is of Howard mm. for making their son's Christmas come true and showing how he would pretty much move the earth mm -hmm. to do everything to make his Christmas happy. And she kisses him on the cheek. And she says, makes me wonder what you've done for me. <laughs> and the camera zooms in on a close-up as Arnold Schwarzenegger's face goes to straight to panic mode and it then cuts to black. <laughs> because that's he hasn't good. done anything! That is quite good. <laughs> that is amazing. That's, that's the, end, the end credits. They did actually put that in because if it was a success at the box office, yeah. which it wasn't, hmm. uh, they were going to make a sequel. Ah, right, okay, that kind of makes sense. set at night time. Yeah. And he would have went out again. Oh, man. Straight away. Straight away. Yes. But, but like, what? The ending of Casino Royale and the start of Quantum of Solace is, you know, the, the two James Bond films, yes. they, they, that is, like, almost, like, scene into the next scene. Yeah. Quantum of Solace, not a fantastic film, but I always no. thought, ah, that's quite an interesting take. It, you know, it just goes yeah. right into the next yes. one. So. Yeah, very, very good idea to you know, literally just pick up where you left off. Yep. Now, mm -hmm. number one. Numero do, uno. Do we have a drum roll, please? <laughs> <laughs> like in the Griswolds. I was just about to say. Yeah. You've done that before. <laughs> it's like, I swear, Duke sits at home and practices in front of the mirror. Yep. His Arnold Schwarzenegger impression, <laughs> his drum roll, his Grinch. This guy is super talented. What, what people don't realise is we actually rehearse all these things. There's like th three weeks of rehearsal before we do a podcast, before we do an episode. So oh. we, we get um, we get elocution <laughs> lessons and uh, everything. Dave, Dave is actually a, a performance artist. Like he's a method actor. So you know, Dave stays in character. <laughs> I never break character, <laughs> even when I'm with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, yep. I mean, it couldn't, in, in my opinion, and mm -hmm. clearly in yours, yep. it couldn't be anything else. Nope. Now, before I announce it, mm -hmm. it's the year you were born that yep. was released. I'm 12. I saw it at the cinema. I fell in love with it in mm. the cinema, and it has given me a Christmas tradition ever since. Yep. So, without fail, that I have not missed this in a single year. Every Christmas Eve, I watch this movie without fail. The Muppets Christmas Carol. There he is, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. Say, is it getting cold around here? It chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. It paints you with indifference like a lady paints with rouge. And the worst of the worst, the most hated and cursed, is the one that we call Scrooge. Unkind as any, and the wrath of many. This is Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug, there goes Mr. Grimm. If they gave a prize for being mean, the winner would be him. Old 
Scrooge, he loves his money Cause he thinks it gives him power If he became a flavor You can bet he would be sour Even the vegetables don't like him Master of the underhanded deed. He charges folks a fortune for his dark and drafty houses. As poor folk live in misery. It's even worse for mouses. Please, sir, I want some cheese. He must be so lonely. He must be so sad. He goes to extremes to convince us he's bad. He's really a victim of fear and of pride. Look close and there must be a sweet man inside. Nah. There goes Mr. Outrage. There goes Mr. Sneer. He has no time for friends or fun. His anchor makes that clear. Don't ask him for a favor, cause his nastiness increases. No crust of bread for those in need. No cheeses for us, Mises. Scrooge liked the cold. He was hard and sharp as a flint, secret and self-contained, as solitary as an oyster. There goes Mr. Heartless. There goes Mr. Cruel. He never gives, he only takes, he lets his hunger rule. And being mean's a way of life, you practice and rehearse. Then all that work is paying off, cause Scrooge is getting worse. Every day, in every way, Scrooge is getting worse. So, so good um, for so many different reasons. It's perfect. It is, and it's, I don't know, for me personally, it's what Christmas films should be. Now, a lot of the Christmas films we've talked about already have elements of it. It's a family movie, it's endearing, it's really funny, it's heartwarming, but it has a message you know, like good family films do. And obviously, you know, A Christmas Carol is a very, very poignant story. And one of the most adapted. Yes. Is how many times has it been done by now? Oh, Patrick Stewart was Scrooge in one of them at some point. It'll be some, some ridiculous number. Yeah. Um, and therefore hard to adapt yeah it's it's just such a good christmas film for so many different reasons it's incredibly memorable it's you know heartwarming it's good for all the family as well like the kids will clearly enjoy it you know funny puppets doing funny things just so happens to occur at christmas with a with a you know a very important message to bring to ebenezer scrooge but the characters, you know, Charles Dickens is played by Gonzo, um, mm. and you know, Rizzo the Rat is obviously just there as comic relief. And and there's that unique bit already, mm-hmm. because never before in any adaptation mm-hmm. of A Christmas Carol have you had the character no. Charles Dickens. No. Not only have you got the character Charles Dickens mm-hmm. as played by Gonzo, <laughs> who's an 
he, you have the narrator. Yeah. So you're you're still using original text. Yep. And um, that's why it works. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, there were slight things that were adapted because obviously I didn't know until I had actually read the book, which I think it was in my early twenties when I finally decided. I'm going to buy myself a copy and I'm going to read this. It wasn't until then that I realised that there is no Marley and Marley. There is oh, only, really? Yeah, I didn't realise. Right. I mean, I didn't realise that was obviously adapted yeah. for Statler and... Waldorf. Waldorf, yeah. the two hecklers. And yeah. it, again, it's so funny. It works really, really well. But um, yeah, I didn't realise that it was just Jacob. Yeah. Jacob Marley. Yeah, and it's such a small tweak Yes. to incorporate two characters that of course of course you're going to use you can't separate them mm. it's like sep- you can't separate Bunsen and Beaker no they turn no. up as charity workers yes it doesn't work no they come together as a package it, it is a package deal so yes tweak it let's have Marley and Marley yeah and you you could have used other Muppets but no Waldorf and Statler are so good mm-hmm. for the fact that they are Waldorf and Stanley. Yeah, yeah. Because what we have here is we have Muppets being Muppets, being characters. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Sam the Eagle appears as the headmaster. <laughs> yeah. And gives his speech about business. You like business. Business. It is the American way. And then <laughs> Gonzo whispers in his weird. It is the British way. <laughs> All those little in jokes. Yeah. That you would associate with the Muppets, but with the characters. Yeah, yeah. Work so well. Yep. And at the heart of it, you've got Michael Caine. Yeah. Sir Michael Caine. Sir King, Michael Caine. In probably one of his finest performances. It was good. It, it was a good performance. And to be honest, I've heard actors with worst singing voices when he you know, pipes up at the end. <laughs> yes. But, it, you know, he's, he's not Mariah Carey, but, you know, he, he manages to hold a note. And I don't usually go in for musicals either, but this was, for all intents and purposes, I'm a bit of a musical as well. But it's different when it's the Muppets because the songs are funny rather than people just bursting into a song because they've been kicked out of their apartment or something stupid like that you know it's it's uh, musicals ain't for me and i'm sorry if anyone's listening and musicals are for them but it's just uh, i'm a big fan of musicals but not necessarily i mean you you just actually pointed out Mm. i mean you actually referenced rent oh did i oh god that was a total accident (laughs) that's a real thing whoops right Um, okay which is i it's terrible. Oh, right, right, okay. But no, the the songs have got to have a place. Yeah. And they they do. They they function well in the script. And they're really endearing, but also funny. Yeah. And what I like is... I think what works for Michael Caine's performance is how serious he is. Yep. And this is Brian Henson's first movie. He's mm. the son of Jim Henson yeah. who created The Muppets. Yep. And he cast Michael Caine, and Michael Caine took him aside, and he said to Brian Henson, he said, look, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working for the Royal Shakespeare Company. Mm-hmm. I'll never wink, I will never do anything muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role, and I am not surrounded by puppets. And Henson looked at him, practically hugged him, mm-hmm. and said, bang on. Yeah. 
do that. That was why I, that was why we went for you. That's and, why that's why you were hired. And the contrast works superbly yeah. because that's what that's what you're after. You know, almost almost every kind of cheery character, anyone you know, everyone that's you know in favour of Christmas loves Christmas is a Muppet. You know. Arms waving, you know, ice skating penguins, you know, the, the, <laughs> even the fruits sing from time to time, you know. Oh my goodness, yeah. in one of the best scenes. <laughs> Let's visit the buffet. <laughs> and it's the Swedish chef with his red and white grapes that, yep. uh, that, that sing. Hergie, burgie, burgie, burgie. No, mother always taught me never eat singing food. <laughs> makes no sense. It makes but it's zero so sense. Funny. But it is it's it's really so good. Funny. But yeah, the contrast is just absolutely spot on. And yeah, it's, it's just such a good film. It, it, yeah, it, it really could not be any better and when they were doing the the marketing mm -hmm. and they were doing interviews they actually you know because they do the Muppet performers go out with with the Muppets yeah yeah uh-huh yeah so and they do it like it's a normal interview yep and Kermit the Frog was being interviewed about his performance as Bob Cratchit <laughs> and he said the most important piece of acting advice ever given to him was by Michael Caine All right. on set. Uh -huh. And Michael Caine got really close to his face and his advice was, never blink. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that not great? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That is very, very good. Right, bonus question. All right. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I wanted this to be professional. Efficient, adult, cooperative, not a lot to ask. Alas, your Mr. Takagi did not see it that way, so he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. We can go anywhere you want us. You can walk out of here or be carried out. But have no illusions. We are in charge. So, decide now, each of you. And please remember, we have left nothing to chance. Get them back. It's not mine. Security guard we missed. Usually, Cardo policeman growing fat on a pension. No, no, this is something else. I would say yes. I would say it is a Christmas movie, and I'm not just saying that for comedic value. It is a film, and there are other films that take place at Christmas time. There is decorations. There is the threat of terrorists. <laughs> it is a good combination, and there hasn't been proper good action films that have well there might be other good action films no no there's other action films that take place at christmas not necessarily good ones yeah but yeah i would say it's a christmas film i would i, I would have to side with uh, jake peralta from brooklyn 99 i'm pretty sure that's his, it's favorite, his favorite it's his christmas favorite christmas film as well but no it's his favorite movie oh yeah right enough yeah just through and through you know so yes it is his favorite christmas movie it is, it, favorite jake's, movie. jake's i love brooklyn 99 <laughs> 
Jake's favourite movie of all time is Die Hard. Yep. Much to Amy's disgust because <laughs> he makes her dress up as oh, um, Mrs. Oh, McAllister. Uh, is it Holly? Mrs. McAllister? No, no that's Home Alone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All I'm, the Christmas films are forming into one. Oh my God. Jake's dressed as Kevin McAllister. Hello, Mrs. McAllister. Oh God. Uh, no. no. Holly, is it Holly? Jan- Holly. Holly, Holly Gennaro slash McLean. Yeah, yes. aye, because there was this, the surname yes. thing, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Jake, Jake makes Amy dress up and he gets aye. dressed up as... Yeah. Yes. Yep. On the, so, was, that, was that the, the honeymoon episode or something <laughs> like that? Yeah. Brilliant. So funny. Bruce Willis, during his roast, did go on record and say, it's not. Ah, uh, okay. But you said something that stayed with me, mm. which is, of course he wouldn't, because he wasn't being paid. So, I think, yeah. I think I think I think Willis does do everything now pretty much for the money. I, the stuff is pretty dire that he's churning out. Yeah, I have heard. Again, it could just be rumor. You know, it's very hard to pinpoint what is actual fact, especially now. But I had heard that he didn't return for the Expendables, you know, the Sylvester Stallone films. I heard it was because he was asking for a ridiculous he was, fee. He was. And Sly Stallone was like, <laughs> no. Sly, Sly, Sly fired him. Yeah. Was, Sly said no. Absolutely not. He got replaced and by a new CIA, CIA character in Expendables 3, mm-hmm. played by Harrison Ford. That's right. And they, they asked where Church was, Frank Church, mm-hmm. the character he played. And it's implied that Harrison Ford took care of him, <laughs> and they they make they act they, they have a lot of fun with that. Oh yeah. But the yeah it was a huge thing where they where they said, pretty much, Bruce Willis spat in the dummy and mm. asked for a ton of money. Yeah. And really unfair kind of working schedules. And Sly, Sly really was doing him the favor. Yeah, more and than more than anything. Yeah, and Sly just went, uh, no. No. See ya. Uh, we'll 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 finish this off without you, yeah, basically. Yeah. Bruce Willis says no, mm. and yeah, I I think more of a react. If if somebody slipped Bruce a twenty dollar bill, he probably would say yes, yes it is. <laughs> okay, and my agent does not get a cut of this nope. twenty dollars. Nope. Tax deductible. Twentieth <laughs> Century Fox, who made the film, mm-hmm. they have actually issued a statement. Oh, okay. okay? Yeah. The debate continued until Twentieth Century Fox, the production company behind the Die Hard franchise, formally admitted that Die Hard was a Christmas uh, movie, ha, ha, ha. stating it's the greatest Christmas story <laughs> ever told. The film is now 32 years old. Oh yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. The greatest Christmas story ever told. That's right, 20th Century Fox, pander, pander to me. I thought I told all of you I want radio silence until oh, further... Th- I'm very sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. Maybe you should have put it on a bulletin board. The wax Tony and Marco and his friend here, I figured you and Carl and Franco might be a little lonely, so I wanted to give you a call. How does he know so much about this? This is very kind of you. I assume you are our mysterious party crasher. You are most troublesome. And for a security guard? Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? 
these are very bad for you. Who are you, then? Just a fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. A pain in the ass. Whoa. Check on all the others. Don't use the radio. See if he's lying about Marco and find out if anyone else is missing. Mr. Mystery Guest. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Unless you want to open a front door for me. Uh, no, I'm afraid not. But you have me at a loss. You know my name, but who are you? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee ki motherfucker. TV. Mm. What are you going for? For <laughs> You've watched all your Christmas yep. films. Yep. I want some Christmas TV now. Yep. Late night, everyone's in bed, it's mm. just me. What are you watching? I hear it's Ireland's largest lingerie section. <laughs> so I understand. The Father Ted Christmas special. The one where he gets the golden cleric for getting those priests out of the lingerie <laughs> section in the shopping in the shopping centre. Um, what a choice. So funny. I mean, I love Father Ted. If, if uh, I haven't gone on about it so many times before, then I am now. Hey! They are. Oh, they are, Ted. Yeah. Oh, wait now. What? It's gone off again. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, yeah, that's it, Ted. They're back. No, don't they're gone again. Right, wait a minute, Ted. No, keep it like that. No, gone. Oh, God. Ted, that's it, Ted. You're a genius. Gone again. Right, back. Gone. Back. Gone. Back. Gone. Back. Dougal, just sit down. <laughs> oh, Ted, can I open another window on the advent calendar first? All right, then, but remember, you're just allowed to open today's window. Oh, Shepard, great! Fantastic stuff! <laughs> oh, God, Ted, can I not open the other two? No, Dougal. <laughs> God, Ted, I can't wait to find out what's behind tomorrow's one. Uh, I bet it's a, a donkey or something. <laughs> All right, so you've uh, changed from your initial prediction. What was it again? Rude Hullet sitting on a shed, wasn't it? <laughs> God almighty, Dougal, where do you get these things? Do you know what? I'd say it's probably just a lovely angel. What would you say is behind tomorrow's window, Father Jack? A pair of fucking women's liquor! <laughs> I am a huge Father Ted fan, and that Christmas special is just hilarious. It's just funny, even by Father Ted episodes. Mrs. Doyle constantly falling off the windowsill after cleaning. <laughs> um, just the overall story as well, with the other, you know, the the characters. The oh god, what was his name? I can't remember. There's obviously there's the priest that is obsessed with winning awards. So yes. um, he tries to steal this golden cleric, and understandably. Um, Ted is super protective over it. He pretends to be somebody. Uh, he, he pretends to be another priest, but he was a priest himself in the first place, which is just... Yes, yeah. which is my favourite joke. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they, they say to him, why did you do it? And he gives the huge speech. Yeah. Part of which was that he, even though he was a priest himself, yeah. heard the story, fed the, the other priest from yeah. the booze to get, to get the... Uh, the golden cleric, mm -hmm. and then changed into that priest's clothes. <laughs> and he, after he's given his big huge reveal speech, Ted, Ted says, "No, no, no. I mean, why did you get changed into the other 
priest's clothes. You're a priest already. And he's like, what was his answer? He's like, it was heading that way anyway. It was heading that way anyway. That is it. That's a, such a good visual gag. Oh, it's so you, know, you funny. See him, you see him there and the priest is like, and he's... And he's undies on yeah, the bed. He's getting the stuff on. No, why did you bother getting yeah, jeans? Why? I mean, uh, <laughs> there's so many questions to that. Who could that be? Ceremony isn't until two. Father, it's... Ted! <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> I haven't missed the ceremony, have I? No, no, not at all. You haven't changed a bit. You're a rascal. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and you, look at you. You haven't changed either. <laughs> what? Well, what about the hair? All oh, right, well, the hair, it's a, it's a, it's a different shape. Colour? Colour, colour, yes, of course. It, it used to be red. Brown. Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. Hello there, you back. I suppose he told you all about me. No. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> hey, tell you what. Why didn't you stick the old name and address in the uh, the book, you know? Especially the name. Very important that you write the name very, very clearly. Uh, I'd love to, Ted, but I can't really write. You see, one time last year I was running with scissors and I fell and the nerve that controls handwriting was completely severed. <laughs> father, are you not going to introduce me to the new father? <laughs> Oh, right. Right, of course, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you what. See if you can guess. Guess? <laughs> Come on, have a go. Godfather, sure it could be anything. <laughs> Still, though, give it a try. <laughs> Father Andy Riley. No. <laughs> Father Desmond Coyne. Father George Byrne. No. Father David Nicholson. Father Declan Lynch. I'll give you a clue. No clues! <laughs> I'll get it in a second. <laughs> Father Ken Sweeney. Father Neil Hannon. Father Keith Cullen. Father Kieran Donnelly. Father Mick McAvoy. Father Jack White. Father Henry Big Bigging. Father Hank Tree. Father Hiroshima Twinkie. <laughs> Father Stig Bubble Card. Father Johnny Helzepoppin. Father Luke Duke. Father Billy Furry. No. Father Chewy Louie. <laughs> Father John Hoop. No. Father Harry Cake Lynham. <laughs> Father Abula Conundrum. No. Father Pee Wee Stairmaster. No. Father Tight Head Lips. Father Jemima Rack-Tool. No. <laughs> Father Jerry Twig. Father Spodo Komodo. <laughs> Father Canabramalammer. Father Todd Unctious. Yes! Well done! Yeah, that's that's my go-to Christmas special. There are a lot of good ones, I must admit, but that's my that's my go-to. What's what's yours? It used to be, because I'm a I'm a fan of the League of Gentlemen. Oh yeah. Um, it used to be the League of Gentlemen Christmas episode. <laughs> I'm putting that into retirement. Oh, okay. And the reason I'm doing that is because my youngest asked to watch a Christmas TV episode mm -hmm. and we found one on Netflix because oh, yeah. I, I just went in and I just typed in Christmas TV yeah, and I'd forgot that this episode existed and it is the the Christmas lunch incident from the Vicar of Dibley oh all right yeah uh-huh and we watched that two weeks ago mm -hmm. since then 
My youngest has watched it another four times. Jeez, oh. And she finds it hysterical <laughs> that the vicar of Dibley, Geraldine, yep. gets invited to four Christmas lunches, but is too polite to say no. <laughs> and therefore goes and has yep. four full <laughs> oh, Christmas dinners, including the last one, oh. which is not turkey, it's tripe. <laughs> She has a Brussels sprout off, gladiator style. There's something really sweet about the, that that TV episode. Yeah. Again, actually, just watch being made to watch it mm-hmm. with my daughter so many times. I've sat there and I thought, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's written by Richard Curtis. Yep. And the humour is just it's innocent, but it's very quite cutting as well because again you've got those themes of the overbearing father who's in competition with his son and wins without over anything you've got the obnoxious family members that you don't want to spend time with and that's her best friend that she goes to and they're all stupid and they don't know anything her best friend her sister thinks it's Easter (laughs) and it's a great sight gag because she's wearing a jumper not a Christmas jumper. She's wearing a, a jumper with an Easter bunny on. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's like, how could people be this stupid? But yeah. it, it works. Yeah. From Don French crawling on her hands and knees because she's had so much turkey. Because in Dibley, they do turkey, meat, and 16 veg. Oh, it's always been the way in Dibley. Meat and 16 veg. <laughs> right. And then a whole Christmas pudding for oh, dessert. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you know, it, it doesn't even bear thinking about in reality as well. Just, Jesus. Yeah. Guess what Mum's cooked up for us today? Oh, would it be turkey and 16 veg? Don't be silly. Not for Easter. It's Christmas. Is it? Of course it is, you nick. But why am I wearing a cardie with a large bunny on it, then? I've been meaning to ask you that all morning. <laughs> ah! I've heard wonderful things about your cooking, Mrs Tinker. Have you? Yes, I have. Have you? Yes, I have. Oh, you have, have you? A table! A table! (coughs) Now, for what we may be about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Amen. Now then, just before we start eating, I'd like to tell you a little story. It's about the lovely, kind woman who's a vicar. Oh, just like you. Yes, and because she was trying to be kind to her parishioners, she agreed to have three different sets of Christmas lunch. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Isn't it? Yes. I mean, the first lunch, well, she was okay, But the second lunch, I mean, she was trying to manage to get it down. But by the time she got to the third family, you know, she was absolutely stuffed. Was she? Yes, she was. Was she? Yes, she was. Ah, she was, was she? Yes, she was. She couldn't eat another bite. I bet the thought of one more slice of turkey made her absolutely sick. I bet it made her absolutely sick. Did it? I bet it did. It did, did it? Yes, it certainly did. But since the third family was where her absolute best, best friend lived... Oh, like, are you best friend? Yeah, she decided to tell her best friend all about the three meals problem. Oh, good idea. Yes, cos she knew her best friend would take pity on her and say, hey, you don't have to eat all that food if you don't want to. Just have a cup of tea instead, you know, to help her out. Oh, that's right, it's not like me at all. No? 
No. Because if she was my best friend and we cooked a meal for her, like we cooked this one for you, and it turned out that she'd eaten already, I'd just cry and cry. And my sister would cry. Look, she's crying already just hearing the story. And I'd probably be scarred psychologically for the rest of my life by this dreadful tale of betrayal and deceit. Right. Well, we better tuck in then, eh? <laughs> now, this starter is stuffing bowls of stuffing. <laughs> but it, this is it. I mean, it does touch on something as well that, you know, a lot of Christmas dinners, people overdo it. They do. They, they absolutely overdo it. There's nothing wrong with having lots of courses, but only cook a ridiculous amount of food. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Cook a ridiculous amount of people. It'll decrease the surplus population. Um, no, um, don't cook a ridiculous amount of food or put on a huge spread unless you're having a ridiculous amount of people coming over. And obviously with what's going on, global pandemic and all that, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. But it's still marketed that as, you know, I'll get off my soapbox in a second, but it is always marketed, you know, you know M&S and Tesco and stuff. Like, yes, that's right. Buy two car boots worth of food yeah, for in, one day. Indulge. Put on the Christmas weight. Yeah. Become unhealthy. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I, I do enjoy the food. I enjoy the festivities. So I. And I, I'll, I do put on a fair bit of winter weight. I have a rich layer of blubber. I'm like a walrus. I'm going to add it to my COVID weight. <laughs> but it is still marketed like, ah, you know, the rest of the year it is not okay to be like this, but for one day only, spend as much money as you can possibly fathom for this and hang the waist it's all right just chuck it out yeah but there's you know you know it's supposed to be a time of charity and giving at the same time so balance people that's what we need we need yes. balance we need balance and we need to make sure that after the holidays we don't look people up and down and say oh somebody <laughs> overindulged at christmas so, yeah because everyone overindulged at christmas <laughs> Oh, this has been fantastic. Yep. We've probably talked longer than we... Uh, yeah, it's been... not much of a mini-pod, is it? <laughs> I know, I know. I think I'll just... I think I might just edit out the word mini. Mini, um, yeah. Just, this, this, this is a pod. This, this is a regular Dugan Picks podcast. Christmas podcast, yeah. But for the first time, in the same room! Face to face. Woo! Almost within reaching distance if the government allowed it. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, we will have new episodes of Dugan Picks coming. Yep. We have a backlog of episodes. Yes. The one that you're listening to right now is the most recent one that we have recorded. Mm -hmm. But because we are doing it in the same room from a distance, it means that editing it has been so much easier and yep. faster. So we do have other episodes that are being recorded several weeks ago. They will come out. So keep listening. If you want to um, put forward film suggestions, mm -hmm. then please do so in the comment box. Give us a like, follow us, visit our Redbubble shop, because I think with some of the quotes that we've said today, <laughs> I might even create some sort of festive Christmas merchandise. <laughs> We're available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. Please tell your friends, it's been, Great having you listen to us. I wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, regardless of religion, where you're from, education, 
race, ethnicity, color, it doesn't matter. We are all the same people. Yep. And let us celebrate the start of hopefully an awesome 2021. Because mm. let's face it, that's going to be better than 2020. It's been a pretty low bar that's been set. Yes. Right. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> He was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, screw... Boy, this really is a dirty city. <laughs> you telling me? <laughs> Thank you for making me a part of this. He was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, clutching, covetous old sinner. <clears throat> Bob Cratchit? Yes, Mr. Scrooge? Who is this? It's Mr. Applegate, sir. He's here to speak to you about his mortgage. Please, Mr. Scrooge, I know you're very angry about this, and I didn't mean to fall behind in the payments. Lord knows it being Christmas and all. Oh, please don't shout at me, sir. That and, of course, little Gwen. Her lungs aren't right. The doctor takes his share, don't he? I mean, you can yell and scream and you're right, but it won't do no good because I'm the stone you can't squeeze blood from, and that's the truth! Thank you for not shouting at me. Let us deal with the eviction notices for tomorrow, Mr. Cratchit. Tomorrow's Christmas, sir. Very well. You may gift wrap them. Let us help you with that, Mr. Cratchit. Oh, sure. my, there Come are on. certainly a lot today. We'll get it, we'll get it. Okay, okay. There you go. Look out on that end. Look out, look out. Come on, guys. Okay. Christmas is a very busy time for us, Mr. Cratchit. People preparing feasts, giving parties, spending the mortgage money on frivolities. One might say that December is the foreclosure season. Harvest time for the moneylenders. It was excellent. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, it's gotten colder. Yeah. Any bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal yeah. for the fire? We can't do the bookkeeping. Yeah, all of our pens have turned to inksicles. Yeah. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? I believe you've convinced them once again, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> How would the bookkeepers suddenly like to be unemployed? <laughs> Heatwave! This is my island in the sun. Picks out. Digs out. Why do you come to me? We're Marley and Marley, avarice and greed. We took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you out. <laughs> there was the year we evicted the entire orphanage. I remember the little tykes all standing in the snowbank with their little frostbitten teddy bears. <laughs> <laughs> we're Marley and Marley, our hearts were painted black. We should have known our evil deeds would put us both in shackles. Captive bound, we're double iron, exhausted by the weight. As freedom comes from giving love, so prison comes with hate. We're Marley and Marley. 
Marley and Marley. But my friends, you were not unfeeling towards your fellow men. True. There was something about mankind we loved. I think it was their money. <laughs> Doom Scrooge, you're doomed for all time. Your future is a horror story written by your crime. Your chains are forged by what you say and do. So have your fun when life is done. A nightmare waits for you. <laughs> what are these terrible chains? Chains! We forge these chains in life by our acts of greed. You wear such a chain yourself. Humbug. Speak comfort to me, friends. Comfort! Ah! Ah! You will be haunted by three spirits. Haunted? I've already had enough of that. Without these visits, you cannot hope to avoid the path we tread. Expect the first ghost tonight when the bell tolls one. Can't I meet them all at once and get it over with? When the bell tolls one. We're Marley and Marley. Whoa!